Yeah, thank you guys for sharing, even if it was compelled. Um, <laughs> Dr. Ron and Sherry will be here for a couple more days, and I, I'm not sure how much their schedule is filling up, uh, but they are willing, uh, more than willing, to, to meet and do uh, crisis counseling, or it doesn't even have to be crisis counseling, maybe just need some wisdom, some insights. Uh, so they, they are here, they're over here, and Dr. Altman will be, will be bringing the word soon. Uh, but please, please take advantage of that. Uh, it's a great opportunity to, to grow. We all need help, yes? Uh, there, there is no shame whatsoever in saying, help. <laughs> and remember the verse, God gives grace to who? The humble, right? Do we believe that? He gives grace to the humble. Uh, and I know it's humbling to ask for help. Uh, but honestly, as Christians, we need help. That, that's why we're here. None of us are perfect. And I'm, I'm, I'm far from that, yes? You guys, you guys should know that very well by now. Uh, but we're, we're just so thankful for the Lord and His Spirit and, and how He's working in our midst. We, we do need an army of helpers once the service is over to reset uh, the worship uh, auditorium here. We also need to move the, the tables out. Those will be going to the gymnasium. Uh, but so please, at the end of the service, don't don't rush off. Please please be available to help. Uh, also, next starting next Sunday, uh, hopefully remember this. But starting next Sunday, it's Missions Month, so we're excited about that. Each Sunday for Sunday school and the Sunday morning worship service, we'll have different speakers. Uh, so next Sunday for for Sunday school, we have Ken and Sharon Floyd with us from the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches. So we're excited to have them here. And then in the morning service, uh, we have uh, Chuck Denny uh, preaching. Where's Chuck? Chuck is over there. Uh, so be praying for him. Uh, you may or may not know, Chuck has a desire to, uh, to be in pastoral ministry. And I've been meeting with him for a while. And he's, he wants to know how the Lord is leading. And I don't think any of us would have any doubts about his love for people and his love for God. But where Chuck wants to grow and know if he has, has the ability is to teach. Uh, so next Sunday... Uh, he's going to be preaching. So we'll be praying for him. Give him some encouragement uh, as, as you see him. But we're, we're looking forward to that. Also starting in October next week is the change in time. So Sunday school starts when next, next week? 9.30, right? 9.30 to 10.15. And the morning worship service starts at 10.30. And like I keep telling you, I'm not telling you when that service ends. That, that ends whenever that ends. Uh, as, as, this, as the Spirit leads through, through that. But that's 9.30 for Sunday school, uh, 10.30 for the morning worship service. Uh, if, if you forget and, and maybe you wake up and, 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 I don't know, look at your clock and see whatever time it is, please come in anyways. Even if you can just catch up for 20 minutes. We want to worship with you and fellowship with you. Also, all through the month of October, we're taking a special offering uh, for our missionaries, we want to bless them. All that comes in, all that you give uh, through the month of October, we're just going to equally distribute that to all of our missionaries. Uh, so right there to my right, uh, for most of you that's going to be your left, uh, but right by the fireplace, there's a big clear box. That's where you put the money if you want to give that to, to the missionaries. Also, I would just ask for your prayer. This, this Tuesday, I'm having surgery on my nose. Uh, the man wearing curse strikes again. Uh, we're known for having rough noses. Now, I'm not just talking physically, uh, but, but for years I've had a deviated septum and extremely difficult to breathe through it, extremely congested, especially at night. 
Uh, so my wife will rejoice from the surgery. She'll be able to sleep better because I won't be snoring as loudly, hopefully. Pray for that. Uh, but that's, that's this Tuesday, so I will not be in the office on Tuesday. And I'm not sure how long the recovery is for that, but I just ask for your prayer in that way. And then uh, I just want to mention a word about equip to engage. If you remember, we've said a little, about, a little bit about that in the past. If you remember, we have about a dozen or so members of our church who are in what we call equip to engage. And, and what that is, is as, as a church, we are serious about discipleship. We are serious about helping you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why we exist, right? To help you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. To help you grow in the Word of God and your obedience to it. So we we have a lot of different ways that we work discipleship here. But one new initiative that we've launched is called Equipped to Engage. And this is a group of individuals who meet for about an hour a week. Uh, They hold each other accountable through prayer, uh, scripture reading, scripture memorization. Uh, and we're wrapping that up, the first kind of session with that today. And they're going to be going through the church and asking a number of you if you would like to do that with them. And so we're excited about that. It's my hope that eventually everyone here will go through Equip to Engage. Uh, but to kind of give you a taste of what we do, we've been working through Colossians, memorizing parts of Colossians. And so this morning, Kyle Visser is just super excited uh, to come up here and quote uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, about halfway through Colossians 4. This is the quoting of God's holy and perfect word. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, saying that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, 
obey your earthly masters in everything. For this bond servants, obey your earthly masters in everything, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word or deed, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Pray, or at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That's awesome, huh? Pretty, pretty, pretty amazing, pretty incredible. Super, super thankful for that. Again, that's, that's part of Equipped to Engage. If you want to be working on memorizing God's Word, uh, that's, that's, that's what we need is accountability and help. Uh, so we're excited about that. Josiah has a word to announce, then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, a word for Sally, quick. Uh, just so you know, we are posting the marriage conference online, and I, there was definitely things in there I learned from. As I was kind of like sneaking, uh, what's, like sneaking advice pre-marriage, so that was it was really good. Um, but there, there, there'd be a lot of stuff in there I think that might encourage you in your struggle that you're facing right now. So I wanted to say that um, as far as Olympians, I need to announce a change of plans. Um, we, I had announced last week that we were going to be starting up in a couple weeks from now. Um, so because of COVID, everything that happened with COVID, our prep had been pushed way back for getting ready for the fall. We were working really hard um, the past few weeks, and, and we were ready to go. Cindy put in hours, like getting packets ready. Um, she had them ready for you parents, and we had lessons prepared, but we were still short on helpers. And many of our volunteers for this fall are also new to Word of Life. So they had not been trained. Um, anyway, this week, uh, Friday, the deacons lovingly brought to my attention that it would be wiser to wait. Um, that it would be better to go into the year with a full staff who has been trained and who are ready to go with parents who know the program. Um, so that said, the plan is to move forward as planned, but to move it back now to January to starting Kids Club. Um, this is gonna help us to hit Olympians full steam, to train up new volunteers, and also to train parents on how the program looks. Um, have you ever been driving, speeding, and like God puts a pace car in front of you? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, you just wanna go, but there's that pace car. Um, and it's there for the caution, right, of the race driver as well. I've, I feel like the deacons have kind of done that for me, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, just let's do this well. So um, that said, we are still doing trunk or treat. 
Um, so continue praying that the weather will be nice because we don't really have the ability to have everybody in the building at the same time um, with COVID. So pray for good weather. Um, hopefully God will be at work uh, in that event just to build in our kids a desire for him, for his word, and to be here when we do start. Okay, so that's all I had. Um, Andrew's going to pray, and then we're going to hear from Dr. Alkin. Alchin. There's a, it's a, ch- yeah. okay. Just like your channel. <laughs> Thank you, Josiah. We're very, very thankful for you. Hard decision, but a, a good decision. <clears throat> let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we, we just love you so much, and we, we love you because you first loved us. We just praise you and thank you for the many ways you're at work, ways that we can see, and just countless ways that we can't see. Uh, But Lord, we thank you that you finished the work that you begin, that you are the author and finisher of our faith, that you have promised and you will keep it, that you will uh, make us into your image, that you will conform us to your image, and that as we we struggle day by day, as, as we maybe feel like spiritually we're two steps forward, one step back, Uh, that you were there with us to strengthen us, to encourage us and empower us. And and we thank you so much for the body of Christ, how we're not meant to walk this life alone, uh, that we're we're meant to walk it in one with brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage one another, uh, speak the truth and love to one another, uh, and build each other up in the things of the Lord, forgiving each other, being patient with each other, loving towards each other. Lord, I, so I thank you so much for this body of believers and the, the, the varied spiritual gifts you've given to each one of us and for uh, just the joy of knowing each other and, and challenging each other to be growing in Christ. Lord, I thank you so much for Equip to Engage and the many who are involved in that. I thank you for Kyle and just strengthening him just now to stand up here and recite your word. Lord, we, we're so encouraged by that. And again, just for each one of us here, Lord, give us, give us an insatiable hunger and thirst for your word, to, to know it and to be mastered by it, uh, controlled by it, that, that your word would saturate all of our thinking, our feeling, our doing, the words that we use, Lord, uh, that it would just be Christ and Christ alone who's lifted up through it and, and magnified. Please continue to do that great work of forming Christ in each one of us. And Lord, we uh, just absolutely lift up to you John and for his salvation. Uh, We pray that you do a great work in his heart. Uh, Help us as we uh, come in contact with him just just to show the love of Christ to him. Help help Sally as she seeks to love him and serve him. Lord, we just thank you for her and for John. We just ask for a great work of your grace there. We thank you for the marriage retreat yesterday and uh, just the truth that went forward and and help each one of our marriages, Lord, to be uh, increasingly stronger by your grace and for your glory. Help us each to grow in our uh, ability to communicate with one another. Help us each to grow in, in handling conflict in a way that pleases you. Help us also to grow in cultivating romance in, in a way that pleases you. Uh, please please strengthen us in these ways, Lord. You know our heart's desire is to have marriages that, that greatly honor and bring glory to you. And also our families, Lord, we thank you for our children. We pray that for all the children here, that they would come to know you at the earliest age possible, and that you would help moms and dads to be raising their children in the things of the Lord, that they would take up that, that uh, mantle upon themselves you've called upon them to do. 
And Lord, we uh, lift up to you Cody Visser, and we just praise you so much uh, that he was able to have the surgery. We pray that he would continue to recover. We do pray for Clyde uh, as, as he's back in the hospital in lots of pain. Uh, Lord, we pray that they would be able to get that pain under control, um, that the, the surgery would be uh, successful, that he'd be able to be up and, and, and moving around more than he's been able to and, and be able to do some things he longs to be able to do. But, but through this, Lord, that he would just be trusting you and that, that you would shepherd him uh, wisely and perfectly through this. And Lord, we lift up to you the Bender family, in particular Amy with the loss of her stepdad, just, just the pain of, of, of that loss. And we, we pray for your peace that passes all understanding as, as Amy and family fix their mind upon you. Um, again, that you would shepherd them through this, that they would know your peace, your love, help them to be lights in the darkness, uh, help them to uh, just, just be exhibiting Christ by their words and their actions, and that they would know your comfort and your love during this time. And Lord, we uh, again just praise you, and we, we thank you for Dr. Alchin and Sherry. We pray for Dr. Alchin as he comes, comes forward to preach, uh, that you would just strengthen him with your spirit, and that you would give us ears to hear. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on up, Dr. Alchin. I don't know if you want to bring Sherry with you and introduce her, or that's, that's up to you. <laughs> it's up to her. Well, I would like to introduce uh, Sherry. This is Sherry. She can stand. She doesn't uh, typically like to get up on the platform, but that's her. She's my better half. Couldn't do anything without her. Uh, I am a idea person. I write things down and I have thoughts, and, but I sometimes don't have the best English or the best punctuation or even the best word to say what I want to say. But she does, and she puts it into wonderful uh, vocabulary and wonderful uh, English grammar, and uh, she does many other things as well. But, uh, well, my question to you is this. Those, how many of you were here yesterday? Raise your hands. Okay, and how many of you went home and did the pleasuring assignment? Uh, uh, raise your, no, that's okay. Now, that's our own private joke, right? Because the rest of the people aren't going to know what that's all about. But uh, yeah, I hope you get to do it uh, sometime soon. It's a fun assignment. Well, we want to thank you for your hospitality. It has been a, a wonderful several days. We have a couple more days. We're going to be parked out there. If you look outside the door, that's our motor home that we travel. We've been traveling since oh, for the last two months uh, all around the eastern part of the U.S., uh, pray for us. After October, we're going to be heading to uh, Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and then in December, we're going to be in California. In January, we're going to be in Texas. We're visiting all the counseling centers, churches that have counseling centers, uh, in the United States are, that are associated with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, which I'm on the board of and am also the chairman of the committee that supervises those centers. There are 70 of them around the country, 
And over the next two years, we're just going to pop in and visit them. Not necessarily an official visit, not a visit to examine to see how they're, how they're doing to report back, but just to go there and to encourage them uh, in what they're doing. Sherry and I started the Biblical Counseling Centers of Chicago about, uh, well, 1989, actually. And in Chicago, there are five counseling locations for Biblical Counseling Center around the Chicago area. And then we started, uh, helped to start a center down in Charleston, which is where we've been working the last five years. The center started 18 years ago, but we went down to do some consulting and realized we liked the warm weather. And uh, my wife's from Mississippi, I'm from New Jersey. And uh, I, I jokingly say she hated me for years because I kept her in cold weather. We went to Grand Rapids to get our seminary degree. We went to Northwest Indiana where you had constant lake snow. We went to Pennsylvania, which was in the snow belt for 14 years. I brought her back to the windy city of Chicago for 25 years. And now we're in Charleston, but no, we're, we were there five years. Now we're traveling up here, and this is probably going to be our last stop in the north for a while. We're going to be going down in the southern areas where it's nice and warm and staying there until maybe next March, and we'll be back up into this area, March, April, May. When does snow stop up in this area? In May? You never know, right? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, it has been good. I just want to say, Sherry and I have spoken at many conferences, many marriage seminars. And I can't think of one that's been better organized and more enjoyable than the one we've experienced this weekend. Amen. I mean, you, you, where can you go to a seminar and finish up your last session and go back and learn how, how to dance? How can you do that, you see? By the way, that dancing thing, you know, where you go like this and like, you're not supposed to dance on the platform, but you, they did dance, remember, in scripture? You know, you have to do this square thing. My wife and I tried it, and we decided just to continue to do the wedding wobble, if you people know. <laughs> you know what that is, right? Um, my wife and I go to a wedding, and I've promised her that at every wedding we go to the first slow dance we will stand up on the floor and we'll do the wrap our arms around one another and just do the wedding wobble. It was, it was good. But anyway, thank you for everything uh, you've done to make ourselves uh, very happy and very content during our time here. And thank you for your kind words. Yeah, we're just servants. That's all we are. And uh, we have a ministry that God has given us and we are so thankful for the opportunities that we have to travel and to see people like yourselves and minister to you. One said, every marriage needs help, and we don't stand here and say we've got the perfect marriage. But over 50 years now, we've been married 50 years, we have enjoyed ministry together, and we've learned a lot of the, the, the problems that marriage face, and we've, we've overcome a lot of them. But every once in a while, we still have our little bit of squabble and things like that. But we know how to deal with it. And we do know how to humble ourselves and work through those communication issues, which is what we talked about yesterday. Communication, conflict resolution, and then in the afternoon, how to, how to build romance and intimacy in marriage. Well, 
Today I want to end up talking to all of us. And if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. And uh, I need that bottle of water on my table. Could you bring that to me? Thank you. Psalm 128. Yeah, it's, yep. I, my wife is correcting me. It's Psalm 128, please. What did I say? 28? Psalm 128 is a psalm that when you read the first two verses, you're not sure where it's going. So I'm going to do that for you, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Who is the you? See, everyone says, you, you will be. Uh, You shall eat the fruit of your labor. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. And until you get to the third verse, you don't know who he's talking about. But in the third verse, it says, your wife. So if it's your wife, who are the first two verses directed to? The husband. So a little ring here. If we can turn that down just a hair, that would really stop the annoyance. Very good. You see, here it's talking about the husband. We'll read through the whole thing now. It says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So in this psalm, you're dealing, you're addressing husbands, you're addressing wives, and you're addressing children. All precious people to God. But here it's the husband who is the prosperous farmer. He's like a prosperous farmer. And he's dealing with his wives and his children who are a result of what he's trying to produce as a farmer. Now, what about this husband who is a a farmer. He says, you're going to eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Your children are going to be like olive shoots. He dealt with vines and he dealt with olives. The vines are the wife, the olive plants are the children. But there's such wonderful symbolism here that we don't want to miss it. And we men who are here are the ones who lead the way. We're the farmer who has these things, who deals with these vines, who deals with the precious olives that he's producing. 
You have, a, you have an outline here, I, you see, in your bulletin, and there's places underneath to jot a few other ideas. We didn't give you the entire outline that I'm going to be preaching from. I want you to see that this farmer, he understands what it means to fear the Lord. It says, blessed is, the, is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his way. You shall eat the fruit of your labor, of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it should be well with you. But who gets the benefit of that blessing and that wellness? It's the man who fears the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is for each one of us, whether we're husbands, wives, or children. And I want to read a passage that says just that. Back in Deuteronomy, and we see it in chapter 31, uh, 12 that says this it says it's just just as um, Joshua was going to take over from Moses and Moses wanted to give last thoughts to people he said assemble the people the men the woman, their wives, and the little ones, the children, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn the fear of the Lord. You're going to learn it, something to learn. When our, when our husbands, our fathers, and our wives, and our children are learning the fear of the Lord, they're in a good spot. I don't know how much our world fears the Lord these days. To fear the Lord for the unsaved person, they have a fear of the Lord that's a trembling fear of the Lord because they see him as a God of judgment that if they don't trust in him, they've got their place in hell. But for we who know the Lord, we see God through different eyes. We, we don't see God as a God who's vindictive. We see a God who is a God of uh, compassion and love and forgiveness. We have confidence and we have assurance and we have joy in the God that we serve. We can have a wrong view of God and a right view of God. Do you remember the the serving of the talents in Matthew, where one received five, another received two, and one received one. The first two had a proper view of who God was. They produced. They were free to produce. One produced five more, the other produced two more. But remember the one who produced one? Why did he just produce one? He didn't even produce one. He had one and he just didn't do anything with it. He was paralyzed to do anything with it. The other two produced double. He produced nothing. Why? When the text it says, I knew you were an austere man. I knew you were a man who reaped where you didn't sow. Out of fear, he was paralyzed to do and produce because his view of God was wrong. We've got to learn what it means 
to fear the Lord. And we've got to keep that proper fear of the Lord before our eyes because it motivates us. Some people do nothing because they're afraid of who God is. But we're people who are freed to serve him and to produce within our families, our wives and our children, a wife and children who fear the Lord and they're free to express themselves and to do whatever is right in serving the Lord. So what is the definition? You have it on your, in your outline in your bulletin there. The husband understands what it means to fear the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord results in his growth in a relationship with the true and living God. Now, this man who fears the Lord is going to be growing. You're going to be able to say that. I talked, told the class yesterday. I said, if I come back here and any of this really grabs a hold of you and becomes part of your life, I should be able to point to you and say, you know, you look more like Jesus today than when I first met you. You look more in the image of God because you've embraced the character of God and the, the, the person who God is and you've incorporated that character into your life. Because ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're to be doing. We're to be looking more like Jesus every day. So that when people look at us, they see us manifesting God, where they look at us and they see us different. We, we have become a, a peculiar person because we take on the characteristics and the context of who Jesus was, who God was. Why did Jesus turn the world upside down? It was not just what he taught, but it was the way he lived. And when people see that in us, they say, you're a peculiar person. You're really peculiar. I mean, when you think of what Jesus taught, somebody slaps you on one cheek, let them have it, right? No, it was totally different. He's turn, turn the other one. If somebody commands you to walk a mile, which a, Ro a, a Roman could do for a Jew, they had to walk a mile carrying a package. That's the law. Walk a second mile. That's what love is. And that's why Jesus changed those that were his disciples into people who were demonstrating who he was, his message. Somebody asks for your cloak, what do you do? Give me your coat also. Who does that, see? Who does that? Do you do that? If we do, we're peculiar because the world doesn't do that, see? Well, a man who fears the Lord is going to teach his wife and his children to do that. He's going to want them to be so peculiar that they, they not that they lose their personality, but within their personality, they're demonstrating the character of who Jesus really is. And when a husband does that, when a father does that, it can't but pass down to his wife and his children because he's going to be the very model of what this passage is telling us. The husband, he continues to fear the Lord and he passes down from the assembly 
the men, the women, the little ones, and the sojourners within your town, that they may learn and hear to fear the Lord. And you move down and it says, and that their children who have not known it may learn and hear to fear the Lord as your God. As long as you live... Oh! Ah. No, sorry. You're trying to get even with me? Is that what you're trying to do? Okay. All right. You got the point. Now I'm fearing here. <laughs> Is any, anybody packing here today? <laughs> All right, where we go. Well, this husband continues in the fear of the Lord. He prays to know God better. He reads God's primary revelation. God's primary revelation. What is that? Go to Psalm 19 real quickly just to review that. But in Psalm 119, we've got the picture of natural revelation and special revelation that helps us see who God is. You know, remember Psalm 19, 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day unto day pours out speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. Talking about walking outside and seeing the creation. I used to take walks with my children in the woods. Our first house was in the woods. We'd take walks and we would see different things. We called it a silent walk. You take a silent walk through the woods and, and everybody had to be quiet until they saw something that reminded them of God. Something that was of his creation that impacted them. So it may be that my son walked along and say, stop, and, and, and there's an anthill. And we'd stir up the anthill and we'd think about, go to the ant thou sluggard in, in Proverbs 6. And look what the ants were doing. We'd walk a little further and my daughter would say, I'll stop, and there's a beautiful flower. And that's a, a beautiful uh, evidence of God. teaching your children God through natural revelation. A man who fears the Lord does that. But he also looks at the special revelation. That's what we see when we look in verses 7 and following. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. So you're, you're teaching your wife and your children from a perfect book. The testimony of the Lord is sure it's not the world that's changing. This word of God is sure. The precepts of the word are right. They're not wrong. And they're pure, not impure. In verse 9, they're clean, not unclean. The rules of the Lord are true, not a lie. They're more to be desired than gold and much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings on the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. We have a unique book to share with the vines and with the olive tree, olives that are coming from these olive branches, these olive trees. Well, he reads God's primary revelation and he daily meditates on God and who he is. Psalm 1 says, this man, this blessed man, he meditates on the word day and night. But you have to have read it 
to meditate on it. Meditation is something we do while we're driving our car. Meditation is something we do when we lay our head on our pillow at night. We think about the truths of God's Word, and the more we think about it, the more those truths grab a hold of our heart, and the more those truths grab a hold of our wife's heart because we're modeling it before them, and the more those truths grab a hold of our children's heart because they see mom and dad who they should be idolizing just under Christ because you're supposed to be looking like him. And they take that model and they walk in it. They do. C says this, or the third point. The husband who fears the Lord walks in his ways. Uh, he, he walks in his role. If you were here yesterday, you heard some of the things we talked about. We talked about the role of the husband. But the husband is the lover and the learner and the leader of his home. He's the lecturer of his home. He's the teacher. He's the limiter. He sets different boundaries for different things for his children and for his wife. He is the listener. He's going to be quick to listen and, and slow to speak and slow to become angry. He, he, he listens. One of the, what, what rule of communication is listen attentively, class? Which rule? Listen attentively. Rule five, exactly. You get a prize. Good for you. Yeah. We had to review that, shouldn't we, for this congregation? Sure. Let's see. This is what we learned yesterday. Class, repeat after me. Be honest. Be honest. Keep current. Keep current. Attack problems, not people. Attack problems, not people. Act, don't react. Act, don't react. And listen attentively. Listen attentively. And all that leads to pleasuring, right? Okay. <laughs> you can ask around. Maybe they'll tell you about that. But the last point here, the husband and father who fears the Lord, he is rewarded. See, there's some great reward. Every one of you, one of you, want to see a marriage that lasts for 50 years or 75 years. And I know that Sherry and I are proof that it can be for, for 50. Anybody here married longer than 50 years? How long? 63? 6-3? Whew! And how about you? 67. 67. Whoa! Anybody else? Higher than 6? Yeah, over there. 57. 53. 53. all beat us. Sherry, we've got to work some more. Yeah, right. Where, where, where was that? In the very back. Okay, yeah, how long? 62, good for you. You know, you can do that. You do it by fearing the Lord. You do it by knowing His Word. You, knew it by, you know it by getting away from yourself. Getting the selfish, self-focus out of our lives. Remember, we said the problems that come in marriage come because I want what I want when I want it. And don't stand in my way. And you say, well, how do you solve that? You solve that with a heart that moves to the fear of the Lord and say, what is it that the Lord wants? I'm willing to yield what I want to what the Lord wants. And if we have two people who are willing to do that, you can make it for 50 years. 
67 years, 62 years. My goodness. If somebody can do it, why can't we all do it? Well, because selfishness gets in the road. Sin gets in the road caused by selfishness. And we don't realize there's rewards. Look what the rewards are of this father who fears the Lord. It says, he eats the fruit of his labor. Psalm 127, he is happy. He is well. He is blessed. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. That's what I want. I want that. And I've had that in so many ways. Well, that's the husband. Let's take a look at the husband's wife is like a, a fruitful vine. There's some wonderful symbolism there. You, you women here, you're, you're fruitful vines as far as the word of God is concerned. You have a husband that's a farmer and he's nourishing you and he's treating you gently and he's pruning you a little bit and, and protecting you and, and he's there as a, a, a loving farmer being sure that his crop produces the best. That's the picture here. It's a wonderful picture. What a wonderful opportunity we as men have to be godly examples before our wives and our children. Well, this wife, she understands this symbolism and learns it. The vines in scripture symbolize luxuriousness, value, and prosperity. If you do a study of vines, you women, you're vines. That's what you are. You say, oh, wow, is that very flattering? Yeah, it's very, really very flattering when you study vines. And what the psalmist was saying is you are like these precious, luxurious, valuable things that make prosperity to the farmer. The vines represent a source of life for the family. That's what you women are. Be encouraged by that. To the family is, is one of refreshment and nutrition like the vine is to the fruit. See, the vine was extremely positive in Scripture. Think about the word vine, just the ones that you can come up with in your mind. But vines were on the good list of things, in the good land that God promised Israel. He promised a place where there was going to be vines and there was going to be milk and honey and there was going to be wine and there was going to be good things to eat. That's the wife, good stuff. The wives and mothers share the title, get this, of vine with what Jesus called himself. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you're connected to the vine, if you're right there with the vine, you've you got a precious position, ladies, to bring great nourishment to your family. The vine has an important vital contribution to her family. Get the symbolism. She continues to grow as a fruitful vine. She is fruitful in childbearing. Uh, who is the family that has, where's the husband and the wife that has 17 children? Where are they? Back there, my wife says, 
to the lady. I don't know your name. Karen, you don't look like you've had 17 children. You're amazing. But just think how fruitful this couple has been. And I've seen their kids working here last night, so they're being taught to serve the Lord and follow their father and follow their mother. And that excites me. That's a hallelujah statement. All right? Now, we stopped at three. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> my quiver was full at three. You must have a big quiver. Uh, but, yeah, we always had a few extras around our house. We, the Lord always gave us a house bigger than we needed. And we always had some hurting people come, hurting teenagers come. And our last one was when we took uh, Michael in when he was 16 and a half, the age of one of our children. And Michael was only supposed to be with us for, for four months, and he's still with us today. Michael's our foster son, and we've had so much joy in, in having people come into our house and stay so we could minister to them. By the way, just as a side, for those of you that struggle with my name, it, my name is All Chin. Chin. This is the chin, okay? And it's just like it's spelled. My name is A-L-L, All, C-H-I-N, Chin. It's not Kin, it's Chin, all right? Just so you know that. Uh, I'm not touchy with that, but people have slaughtered my name just like they... <laughs> If you have a name like Smith, any Smiths here? Okay, no, that's an easy name. All Chin, oh wow. All right, back to the notes. She continues to grow as a fruitful vine. She's fruitful in childbearing. She is to show the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. She is to show fruit in character conduct and converts and she will as the farmer helps her and grows her and encourages her and models the same character conduct and converts that he produces and if evangelism and leading people to the lord is important to you father it will be important to your wife and if it's important to mom and dad it will be important to your children and the young people in this church will share with people in their church or in their in their schools or in their home schools or in their uh, classical uh, whatever it's called uh, they, they 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 will do that they will share because it just becomes a norm this woman she is a fruitful vine as she walks her role the fruitful vine is described in, in Proverbs 31. You know that perfect place, uh, that perfect woman in Proverbs 31. You go, wow, is she really for real? I don't know whether she's a real woman or whether she is just, in Proverbs, wisdom is seen as a woman in the female tense. That's the perfect woman, Proverbs 31. For you women, that would be something to strive for, whether this woman was a real woman or not. Wisdom says, reach for wisdom. That's what the real woman looks like. They're the character qualities of a real woman. That's the way she's described. The fruitful vine is one who fears the Lord. We see that in Proverbs 31. The fruitful vine understands that submission 
is not a word to fear. Because in reality, we're all to submit. Submission is to all of us. There are times when I submit to my wife because what she says to me is right. And the direction I was going to go in was wrong. There are times when it says submitting to one another. Now, I'm not talking about egalitarian. I'm a complementarian. But I'm saying there are times when husbands and wives submit to one another. And when they do, it's like this. It's like if I had a glove and I'm the leader and my wife sticks her hand in that glove, it just fits perfectly together. If I'm leading right, she has nothing to fear in submitting to my leadership. If I am loving her and leading her and learning her and listening to her and laboring for her and doing all the things that my role is, she has no fear in following my leadership. Our leadership. And the fruitful vine is a helper and a companion. And God said that when Adam named all the animals, he said, hmm, it's not good that man should be alone. It wasn't that Adam was lonely, because he didn't know what loneliness was. He just saw Mr. and Mrs. Squirrel, Mr. and Mrs. Skunk, Mr. and Mrs. Elephant. He named them, and at the end of all that, there, there was nobody for him, so he didn't even know that. It wasn't that he was lonely. It said he was alone, and God was the one that made the observation. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. It didn't mean things were imperfect or sinful. He just said, we got to get a match for this guy. So he made him a comparable helper. Two people that are comparable to one another. They look similar with differences. And they're helpers of one another. And God made them so that a man and a woman says, a man leaves his father and mother, cleaves to his wife. They are perfectly, even anatomically, made to be one. That's the beauty of the husband and wife. Not just one physically, as yesterday we said, one spiritually, socially, intellectually, emotionally, and physically. The greater the oneness, the greater the common denominators, the greater the oneness. So we say, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Some people say opposites attract. They do, but they don't really make good marriages. When you look at opposites attracting, they attract for the wrong reason. You admire the quality in that person that you don't have. They may admire a quality in you that you don't have. Now, I'm not saying that people need to be totally compatible because there's a myth of compatibility that says no two people are ever going to be the same. But the more common denominators you have, the greater the oneness. Now, my wife and I have some, some major differences. 
You know, I, I like to go to Cubs games. You know, Chicago Cubs, you're, if you know that. What, what's the team here? Detroit Lions, is it? Or is that a football team? <laughs> you can tell how athletic I am. But uh, I like to go to Cubs games when I'm in Chicago. And, and, and my wife, she's not much into baseball, but she likes hot dogs and Cracker Jacks and peanuts. And, and she likes to be with the man who loves baseball. Now, my wife also, we haven't been to one recently, but my wife likes to go to operas. In Chicago, there was operas. How many of you men think you would like to go to an opera? Raise your hand. How many, you would like opera? Would you? Yeah, you're a good singer. That's why you'd like opera. <laughs> you like opera? You sing too? You mean not music? Okay, you like opera. You know, how many of you men think you would never, ever miss anything if you never went to an opera in your life? How many of you? <laughs> That's basically where I am. But you know, I went to an opera with my wife and we saw Madame Butterfly. And these people are singing in Italian. You have to read the words over the top to understand what it is in English. And uh, I, I have to admit, I cried. There's a place in there where it would be typical for you to cry. So I, I enjoyed that one. But any other ones I went with her, I went with her because I loved her, not because I loved opera. So when you have differences, you can work together, but the greater the common denominators are between you, the closer the relationship. And I've learned things, learned to like things because I'm married to her and she's learned to like things, she's married to me. Sometimes we didn't have any experiences in certain things and we finally realized, hey, we like them. We found a tighter relationship and it's worked now for the 50 years. Well, a fruitful vine is a helper and a companion. A fruitful vine has a special position. And get this, look at verse, look at Psalm 1, uh, 128, just in verse 3 again. And I want to show you something that's really precious. In verse 3, it says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your, ha your house. Now, the farmer had a house. And it says, your wife will be a fruitful vine within your house. Other versions say it this way. Beside the side of your house, the King James Version. The NIV says, within your house. house. The New King James Version says, in the very heart of your house. That's where she's going to be. She's not going to want to leave your house. She is going to be a fruitful vine within the house. Now, some of the homes back then had little places within their house where there was light coming through, and they put their vines there, right there, the, the ones that the, the wife and the family took care of and were really gentle about it. It's a, it's a beautiful picture, what, what I'm trying to say to you, that, that this wife is a vine. With, she's not straying outside of the house. She's not that lady in Proverbs who, hey, I, my husband's going on a journey. Come on, come to my house. And It's not that. That's, she's there within the house. She doesn't have any, any reason to leave the house. She's got a husband who loves her, who learns her, who, who, who leads her, who, who lectures her. He, he cares so much about her. Why would she ever want to leave if she can be in the center of the house, 
with a husband and a farmer who's going to take care of the vine. So you women, you have a special place. If you have a husband who is a farmer who fears the Lord and who's taught you to do the same thing. Well, let's talk about the children. Look what it says about the children. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Well, children are a part of God's plan too. And the farmer, he's going to produce children. 17? I don't think so. But <laughs> Sorry, I'm not picking on you guys back there. I think that's amazing. When somebody told me that this morning, I said, you're joking. Did you say seven? I said 17. Anyway, God bless you. I'm looking right at them, and that's special. Children are a part of God's plan. Parents are to be fruitful and multiply. We are to do that. Olive plants and arrows make a happy father. Look, it says in verse 27, it says, Blessed is the man, what's it say? Like arrows in the hands of the warrior are the children in one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. That's the psalm that's just above it. Well, olive plants and arrows make happy fathers. Children are one of the purposes for marriage. They are. I, I deal with couples who come in to me and say, the premarital counsel, they say, well, I say, what are you going to do about Children. Oh, we're not having any children. I said, why wouldn't you have children? That's God's plan. Oh, we, we, we think we just want to keep our lives to ourselves. We don't want the burden of children. Uh, we, we, we don't want to raise children in, in such a society as this, which means they don't want to put the time in to learn how to raise children in a society of this. I says, I, I can only think one word that you put over all the excuses of not to have children. You know what that word is? Selfishness. Self. And self is the problem with obeying many of the truths of Scripture. We talked about that yesterday to all these hus the husbands and wives were there. And we said, remember in the last days, difficult times are going to come because men are going to be lovers of themselves. See, there's the problem. Now, my heart goes out to couples that are not able to have children. My own son, Timothy, was, he and his wife were not able to have children. But we have two of the most beautiful adopted grandsons. They're Ethiopian, dark-skinned. We love them like our own. And they are just, Heather and Tim have grown them up to be Wonderful boys. And one of them, 16, now driving a car. I told him, let me know when you're out on the highway so I'll stay off the highway. <laughs> but uh, jokingly, they're, it's, it's a wonderful blessing. We, had, we didn't adopt Michael, but we fostered Michael, and he's still part of our family. And so, one, so you know, take away the banner of selfishness and put on the banner of adoption or fostering or doing something in that area. Well, children are one of the purposes for marriage. Young widows were instructed to marry and have children. 
Young women are to be taught to love their husbands and their children. Remember in Titus 2, it says, let the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands and their children. That means that the older women are to be the model to other younger women on how to do this. So we who are older, we ought to have it down. We ought to be examples and models to our daughters and to younger women in the church. Without good physical and spiritual reasons not to, God wants Christian couples to have children. Well, what's the symbolism of children like olive plants? We don't have time to go into this. You can do the study. Go into your Google, your Bible search, and, and type in olive trees or olives or olive plants. But here's what you'll find. Olive trees are very important in the Holy Land. Jesus went to pray in the Mount of what? Olives. It was a bunch of, we've been there, a bunch of olive trees. Because you have, uh, my wife, she always cooks with olive what? Oil. When she mixes her, her, her other uh, essential oils, she sometimes dilutes them down with some olive oil because it's still a precious medicinal thing. When the, the uh, Good Samaritan met that Jewish man on the side of the road that was half dead and bleeding and wounded, he took some of his oil and some of his wine and he, he used it as a medicinal thing. So olives are very medicinal, they're very healing. They had a precious spot. So you, you that are children, you're listening. You're precious. You're precious to God. You're precious to your parents. You have a wonderful place in the family because of the symbolism of here. Olive trees were very important. Olive oil was used even to consecrate the priest and to fuel the lamps in the tabernacle. Children, they're like olive trees, valuable and precious to Jesus. Jesus loved children. Olive trees symbolize in Psalm 45 gladness. Olive trees symbolize joy. <laughs> Have any of you ever had the oops child? You know what oops means? I mean, you didn't plan on having any more, and all of a sudden, oops, what happened? Well, Timothy knows it, but Timothy was our oops child. He was our third. We uh, didn't, we, not that we weren't planning on having any more, but we weren't planning on having him right away, see? And we had a daughter, and then 15 months later, we had our son, and two years later to the day, they were, both of our boys were born on February the 10th, Timothy came. But I need to tell you, of all of our children, we are so glad we had Timothy. God knew we needed and God in his sovereignty planned that he's the one that puts the, the things together, right? He's the one that planned your family. But Timothy is a joy, he's funny, he's talented, and of any of our children that I would have never expected to follow in his father's footsteps, it would have been Timothy, and now he's Dr. Timothy, and now he runs the centers in Chicago, and he's doing a phenomenal job. 
of making God proud and his father proud. That's Timothy. But he's funny. He kept our family and keeps our family when we're together laughing. He's a unique olive tree who isn't leaving our family. Well, he brings joy and gladness. Children do that. Children, like olive plants, need proper care, though. They need training. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, train your children in nurture and admonition, in discipline and instruction. Deuteronomy 6, 4 reminds fathers to teach diligently to their children the Hebrew Shema, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. These things teach diligently. Where diligently there means teach them over and 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 over. You get it? That's what it means. Because we have to be taught over and over and over, even as adults. Remember it was Peter that said, I'm going to stir up your mind by putting you into remembrance. So once you knew these things, I think it's only right that you remember them again. Why do we need to hear messages about husband and wife over and over again? We need to do that, especially to our children. That's why I said, hey, put them, on, put them over your doorpost. Here, Rizzo, the Lord our God is one. These truths, we have plaques on our walls, but they put it on their doorpost. They put it on the beams of their ceiling. They put it on the gates. It was something that they wanted to hit with their children over and over and over again. And if you, if you ever go to the Wailing Wall in, 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 in Israel, you see these young boys with little phylacteries, a, a little box here bound to their head and one bound to their, their arm here with leather. And inside that is this, this Shema. Hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you see these young kids at the wailing wall going like this, putting these two things together. And they're standing there like this. Hear, Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Hear, Israel, the Lord. Over and over again. When you say, why didn't they receive Jesus? Why did they have such a struggle? Because of the Shema. There's only one God. Yes, but Jesus was God. Don't you guys get it? I don't get it because it's only one. And that's why there was such a struggle with the, the Jews receiving Jesus. They thought they were going to get a, a deliverer like they had in, in past in the judges where the, the, the deliverer would deliver them from the oppression of an enemy. But praise God, Jesus is one who delivered us from the bondage of sin. And if you don't have that experience in your life today, Jesus still offers himself to you as your savior, as your sin bearer, and as your substitute. His cross was your cross, but he climbed up on it and paid the penalty for your sin. Children are like olive plants around your table. Get this, let's read it again. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Children, they are around your table. The father has joy. 
of his children being like olive plants around the table. I'm going to make some emphasis here. These plants, they're not branches, they're plants. Okay? But they will be around your table. Not somebody else's table, your table. They're going to love to be around your table. See, we, have a, we had a dining room table. Every Sunday, we would sit around our dining room table. We would have dinner there. Dinner would be around 1.30, 2 o'clock, and we would seldom get away from the table for two or three hours later because Sunday was the time where our kids knew they had opportunity to, uh, to one, get some money because I, I asked 10 questions every Sunday after dinner about the message, and our kids would sit there writing down notes about the message. And if they got the answers right, I'd give them a buck. And they got 10 questions, they could get 10 bucks. And some people would say, oh, so you bribe your kids to listen to the message. I says, absolutely, that's what I did. I bribed them. <laughs> yeah. Because I figured if they aren't listening to the message, they're not going to get it. And if I, if I bribe them to do it, and they listen to it, at least it gets into their mind where the Spirit of God can use it. But our kids love the Word. And it wasn't a bribe. They just, it was just a fun thing we did. But then, then we would open up the questions. Any question was acceptable, as long as it was presented properly. And we've talked about so many things around your table, okay? Around your table. But they are around your table, see? It's a place where we meet. We have refreshment. But we also have spiritual refreshment. Around that table, devotions were done almost daily, in fact, when our kids were given a little card, it was a card that said, we're going to set the table. This is what a table setting looked like. There's a plate. There's a napkin. There's a fork. There's a knife with a sharp part turned in. And there's a spoon. I was a maitre d', so I, I, it was pretty expected that it be set properly. The glass is right in front of the fork, the cup and the saucer are to the right, and the butter plate's up here, all right? And if you're going to have dessert, you have two forks. Yeah. But the table wasn't set until on this corner where Dad set was the Bible and the devotional. Leave it on the table. You say, we, we, we kind of, sometimes we leave it on the table, make it a part of the setting. Get that devotional book there. Make it so, sometimes I get a telephone call in the middle of a in the middle of dinner. And I get up and I take the telephone call. Sometimes I just forget it. Then I'd get involved in doing something and our kids would be still sitting at the table because it was a normal thing. And they'd say, Dad, are we gonna have devotion? Yeah, of course. I forgot. I'm gonna let's get back to it. But when the book is there, it's really difficult to forget. Make that book part of the table setting. Fathers, demand that. Set up the card. This is what our table, and it isn't completely set until the Bible's there and that devotional book is there. And dad, you're going to lead it. And sometimes we pass the book around as the kids could read and, and reflect and they'd do different parts of the devotional time. But they were around our table. And the joy of it all is they are around they are around the table. 
they aren't going somewhere else. They're around, all around it. So children are like olive plants around your table. That's our spot. Well, just one more thing. How long do you want that to last in the Alchin generation or in your generation? Just look at the end and you'll see what it says. It says, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. When a father has a rightful place of being the farmer of his wife, the vine, and his children, the olive plants, you will see your children's children, your grandchildren, doing the same thing that you taught your children, your children will teach their children, and the different generations that will take place as we take our responsibilities to be a fruitful, prosperous farmer, husbands who fear the Lord, pass that fear down to our wives, down to our children, down to our grandchildren, down to our great-grandchildren, because it catches on as we model this and model our love for the Lord. Might it be in each one of our families. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. So much more could be said. But I thank you that you have made each one of us an important part of a family, and especially your family. Father, you are our Father, and you've given us all that we need in your word to fear you properly and to live lives that will be fruitful. Might it be so in each one of us. And if there's anyone here today who's not even connected to the vine, who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would take these words, that they would approach the pastor or one of the elders, one of the deacons, talk to somebody so that today they could leave this place with the knowledge of who Jesus is and have him as a part of their life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.